The guest on this episode of the Sports as a Job podcast is Rachel Joy Barbeau. She's a retired 17-year sportscaster and is now focused on her company, I'm Changing the Narrative. Her relentless pursuit is the reason why she has been able to break so many different barriers and do so much amazing things. She is known to be the first female sports reporter to participate in a professional football training camp. She's known to be the first female host of Sirius XM College Sports. And she has had the opportunity to deliver her insightful commentary on national broadcasters such as Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS Sports, and Yahoo. In this episode, we discuss the mental barriers and the adversity she's had to overcome to have the 17-year career she did. There was a shift in her mindset and purpose. We discussed that moment and how it has led her down the path she is today. Let's get to the episode. I would like to welcome Rachel Joy Barbeau to the Sports is Job podcast. Welcome, Rachel. Hello, my friend. How are you? It's an absolute honor to to be on your podcast today. (laughs) And Rachel was just showing me her lovely uh, background in her Florida home. And I'm super, super jealous here in Minnesota. We're starting to get, you know, it's fall. We're starting to get cold. And it's reminding me of back home in Hawaii. But it's definitely, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And if you could just kind of, you know, explain to the sports job listeners what it is you currently are doing in sports and what you have currently going on right now. Yeah, so, um, and I know we'll get into it later, but I was, you know, 17 years, as you mentioned, a sportscaster. And in 2016, I um, developed a, a talk, just a talk that I thought, um, and, and, and I named it Changing the Narrative. And the reason why I named it Changing the Narrative was at that time, um, particularly young men were uh, getting in trouble and stealing the headlines for nothing but getting in trouble, right? And so, I believe because the whole reason I got into um, sports as opposed to news was I really couldn't do the house fires and car wrecks. It just made me too sad. And so I really wanted to teach young men across the country that, hey, you can trend for something positive. It doesn't have to be negative. It doesn't have to be if it bleeds, it leads. Right. And so I created this talk just thinking it would go into high schools at the beginning. And now it is. But I, I created this talk and it was purpose, passion, platform. Um, what were you born for? You're born for more than just to play sports. And then my own experience with domestic violence. And that's how it started in um, 2016. FSU, Jimbo Fisher was the first um, brave person. And, and I've always said that too, which is pretty interesting, is these coaches don't ask me for notes. They don't ask me like for bullet points. We, we talk about sometimes like what they want to get across, but there's an incredible amount of trust. And I never, ever let that, let that, you know, escape me the fact that they trust me to be on their meeting room floors and so it started like that in 2016 but along the way I've spoken out 40 plus schools law enforcement border patrol schools many many times uh, have long-standing relationships and now we talk about uh, purpose passion platform what you were put on this earth for mental health self-care interpersonal relationships and what does it mean to be a king or queen or be royal every day of your life and, um, and so, yeah, it is, I never thought, I always thought I'd be sportscasting for the next another 20 years, right? Like 15, 20 years. I never thought that I would leave sportscasting to do this full time, but it became such a tug at my heart that here I am sticking the microphone in somebody's face after a game. Yet I visited your school a month before 
and I know that your mom was abused, or I know that you have depression, or I know that you're struggling really badly with homesickness, or you've got problems with your girlfriend, or and so it became really a tug at my soul. And so, um, incredibly long answer, but but it's kind of my life. Um, I left sports casting last October to to pursue this full time. And Rachel, you mentioned it a couple of times there. You talk about finding your higher purpose or finding yeah. out that athletes, you're more than sports. And I would like to say that's kind of similar to people that work in sports. It's like, hey, you have an identity outside of just being a sportscaster or being event management or operations or social media. For you, you know, when you talked about you never imagined yourself doing what you are doing now. So in the beginning of your career, beginning of 17 years, what was the goal for you? Was the goal to be the first woman on Sirius XM, you know, Sports Nation? Was it to have this higher purpose or are you just simply trying to work in sports, trying to be a sportscaster? Trying to be a sportscaster, first of all. Um, second of all, I could never, I, I take myself back to 22, 23 year old Rachel getting out of college because I took some time off and went and worked out West and took my time. But I, I look back to that and, um, and I can never foresee what, I mean, I, I, of course, everybody has dreams at that time of, you know, being on the sideline and, and, and working at ESPN and those things, but, but they were just, they were dreams. And, you know, at that point in time in my life, I was literally just trying to keep a roof over my head and, um, and, and afford ramen noodles. And I went through at that time, I even went through the 2009, 2008 economic downturn where the sports industry got gutted. I had to go work at, as you mentioned in our, our uh, pre-show meeting, um, you know, I had to go work at a hair salon, you know what I mean? Like you do what you have to do. And, and I called, I remember when that happened, I called everybody in my, uh, you know, that I had been on their show or vice versa. And I said, please keep me on, just say Rachel Barbo sportscaster. And I'd go out back to the hair salon and I'd do my little hits. And then I'd come <laughs> back in and be a manager of a hair salon, knew nothing about managing a hair salon. And funny enough, I ended up getting let go. Um, but, uh, but you know, it was a means to an end So no, I, I, um, I couldn't foresee it, you know, and also too, and I think this is like a super important point. I couldn't foresee it either because I was not the woman that I am today in the sense mm -hmm. that I was not a queen. And, and I mean by that, I mean, at that point in time in my life, everything was about me right? What I wanted, very self-centered. What I did want in sports casting was to be famous. That's what I want. Um, that's what I wanted, I should say. And um, I wanted my name in headlights. I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, Rachel, 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 barbo, barbo, barbo. Like I wanted people to like move the velvet rope for me. It was really, really self-centered and about fame for me. And um, then around 2011, I met Kevin Turner who played for the Patriots and the Eagles and won the Ed Block Courage Award. And I met him soon after he got diagnosed with ALS. And I credit everything that I've done in my total life shift and total everything besides my faith. I credit it to Kevin Turner, who's no longer with us, because he taught me that what I believe is the secret to life. And that is, it's not about you. Mm. You were not born for you. And once you figure that out, everything else changes. I mean, here is a man who's just been diagnosed with ALS, right? Like debilitating disease um, that's going to kill him. And he still, had his, he still had his humor. He still had perspective. I remember he sat down, I'll tell you quickly. He came into my studio. This is the first day I met him. And um, 
and he needed help. This big former fullback, hulking fullback, a, you know, a shadow of the man at this point, physically. And he needed help opening his soda top bottle. And he needed help um, changing the volume. It makes me cry still this day. Changing the volume on his headsets. And I felt, I felt pity for him. I didn't want to feel pity for him, but I felt pity for him. And he looks over at me in the most genuine, non-shaming way. And the, 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 you know, we go on, we come back from the break and, and he says, and he's talking to everybody, but he's really talking to me. And he said, don't you feel sorry for me? I got a heads up on my life. I say, I'm sorry. I hug my kids. I live every day to the fullest. He said, you could step off a curb tomorrow and get hit by a bus. And he said, you just don't know. And he said, so I'm, li-, and, and when he walked, like all the pity at that moment left my body. Mm-hmm. And when he walked down that hallway that day, it was as if I tell people this all the time, that, that old Rachel, you know, that old Rachel was on this path going this way. And then the, the, the new unselfish, like secret to life, follow the, the teachings of this man, right. That had just been diagnosed with the, you know, a, a disease is going to kill you and it's going to be incredibly painful. Follow that. And he opened my eyes and I tell people all the time, there'll be a Kevin Turner in your life. <laughs> there'll be somebody in your life that they haven't already come that will wreck your life in the best possible way. Don't miss it. Keep your eyeballs open. And he really taught, you know, changed the course of my life and taught me the secret to life. Mm. And I, I can relate to that because and I think I was lucky enough. And I have another podcast called Spoken Thoughts, Raw and Uncut, that I started with my two other cousins, who are my, like my two older brothers. And in the first episode, we talked about how when we were younger, so I was in elementary, middle school, they were middle school, high school. We dealt with a lot of last, a loss in my family. Like we lost my great grandma, my grandpa, aunts and uncles. And, and the one that hit me the hardest and the reason why I like to give back and try to fill other people's cups is because my grandpa went through cancer and he he went through chemotherapy and passed away you know 10 years ago but he he struggled with it like you know if, if you've seen i don't know if you've seen anybody to go through chemotherapy or in cancer they, they yeah they lose their hair they 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 can't eat no more it they can't even get out of bed by themselves or shower so i saw that but like i used to have these little league baseball games and the one person i always knew that would be there and i would look up to the left he was always there, always there. For some reason, like I was telling you, he couldn't eat. He couldn't get out of bed. But for some reason, he always had the energy to drive himself to my games. And that's love. It's love. And that's what he <laughs> taught me from the beginning. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that he showed that to me. And I was able to learn that. And at the time, I didn't know that because it was just, I guess you could say, you know, I was dealing with the heartbreak of losing him. But like even when he was on his, his the dying bed of the hospice. It was always about, oh, did you eat? You want my banana pudding? Like, no, you know, things like that. And, and from then on, I've kind of taken that with me and saying, hey, like, like you were saying, when you realize like this life isn't about just you, it's about everybody else you can help. And that's kind of the legacy that I'm hoping to leave is my legacy. I want my legacy to be the legacies of others. And hopefully they can go on and do great things and just create this ripple effect of, of helping one another. Um, I guess, you know, I want to talk about, and you talked about, how you worked at this, you know, hair salon and you went through the, you know, the economy downfall and different things like that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that right now with what's going on. People have lost their jobs. People had to get jobs at hardware stores or just a bunch of different places. How do they pick themselves up right now? How do they, 
you know, how do they not get lost in the pit of darkness with everything going on and just kind of stay positive and, and just keep working at having that dream of working in sports? Okay. This is a great question. And I, I, have a, I have a tactical answer for you that your listeners can literally, I've been telling this to athletes and, and people um, of all ages all over the country since, since COVID started, it's helped me um, tremendously. And so I'll repeat it twice um, if people want to pause or, or uh, reverse and, and write this down. It's do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability, look for somebody to help and then rest. So if you go back through that, every single day you wake up, I'm going to do the best I can with what I have to the best of my ability. I'm going to look for somebody to help and then I'm going to lay my head on my pillow and I'm going to rest, really rest. Okay. So let's break this down. Sometimes waking up and doing the best you can means because I've suffered from depression, anxiety, gone through suicidal ideation and survived. Sometimes doing the best you can means getting from the bed to the recliner and watching the office all day because the news of the world is so overwhelming. I read something the other day that we consume, we are exposed to more information in one day than a human being in the 15th century was exposed to in their entire lifetime, okay? And, and I think about it, I was thinking about this the other night, you know, you're scrolling through Twitter, you know, at, at night. And I, I can't tell you the last couple of nights, you know, just happened upon a sad story of somebody was murdered or somebody was so-and-so. And so it was processing that right before I went to bed, right? That's not, I've got to, I know my self-care, I got to stop that. I got to stop opening those articles. I got to stop going there, right? Put the phone down. So do the best you can with what you have. What does that mean? That means with what you have, there were athletes, there were sportscasters, there were people all over the country during COVID and other times that didn't have anything but a phone, a pencil, and a piece of paper, or didn't have anything but a, uh, a a truck. And I knew athletes that were pushing trucks down the road. I'm not kidding you. Or, you know, that's the way they, they trained and tried to stay in shape to be able to play football. So do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability, whatever that is. If it's a day where you need to take a mental health day or a break, or you are just humming and drumming and you are do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability. I always include look for somebody to help because of Kevin Turner and uh, because of the secret to life and it's not about you. And so, um, so you look for somebody to help and that might even be, I tell people um, all over uh, again with this movement, one of the things we teach is you know, pick three people that you have not conversed with lately and pick up the phone and call them or text them or send a handwritten letter. And because nobody wants to be the person, we all know them, that only calls you when they need something and it wears you out. And you could just, you could see the dot, 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 you know, you know, it's coming in the text like, hey girl, what you doing? Can you get me tickets to the football game? You know, and it's like, you never text me, you know, like, and so we don't want to be those person. We don't want to be those people. So, so do the best you can with what you have to the best of your ability. Look for somebody to help. That just might be even Again, sending somebody a text that might be taking your leftovers to your neighbors. I've got vegetable soup here. that has been awesome for my dad and my fiance the last couple of days. I'm going to, it's still great. I'm going to box it up and give it to my neighbors because it's great. That's helping somebody today, right? That's encouraging somebody today. And then if I do that, if I follow that formula, then when I lay my head on the pillow at night, I can really lay my head on the pillow at night, right? Um, and then I, I would say, Outside of that, I, I wouldn't be who I am today without faith. And everybody believes something different. But for me as a Christian, it's Jesus Christ. And 
I would not be here today. I mean, I wouldn't even be alive, have survived the dark night of my soul when I almost took my own life. But it's faith for me and using that tactical formula every single day. Um, and, and that helps me get through tough times, whether you're an aspiring sportscaster, athlete, coach, parent, you name it, that'll help you. How did you come up with this concept? I mean, obviously you probably through experiences and different things like that, but it's such a detailed concept where you can break down each point. How did you come up with that, that, that concept? Honestly, God, like Mm -hmm. I, you know, like these, I don't, how do I say this? I don't, some days I look at this movement and I go, wow. Because mm. I was telling somebody, I live in a constant sense of wonder and amazement. So I wake up every day expecting miracles and, and I'm like a child. You know, I giggle like a child. I dance like a child. I, you know, I live in con- this constant sense of wonder. And, and I'm like, wow, I'm amazed by like little old people holding hands. And I'm amazed by, you know, child laughs. And, you know, and I cry happy tears as my grandmother would call them. Um, but all of these things that have happened in this movement, I had a coach friend tell me, um, he said, Rachel, I think why it works so much is it's your life. It's your life. You're not going in there and, and going, yeah, 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 yeah. You're saying, I was fame hungry. I was lost. I was broken. I did not love myself. And because I didn't love myself, I didn't have standards and boundaries by which I let people treat me. I, I didn't look at myself like a queen. So then how was the rest of the world going to look at me like a queen? So you know, the, the, that was, was COVID. Let me tell you another quick little lesson here. When COVID happened, I was in Tennessee, or excuse me, I was in Texas. I had just spoken to Texas Tech football, an amazing time there. I mean, amazing. We laughed, we cried, breakthroughs. I mean, it was just unreal amazing. I get back to the hotel, President Trump's on the um, television. I get home, um, and that's March. And in April um, was a huge month for the movement. I've got people right now that are working for me for free, right? And we're getting into a lot of other different realms like corporate sponsorships and big things coming up. But I do not deserve the people that work for me and that are doing it because they believe in the movement right now. So April was the month that, and I, I believe in radical vulnerability. So this is me taking off the mask, the proverbial mask. April was the month we were going to get back on track. And uh, through all the combined speaking engagements and things, I lost $30,000 in April alone. Lost every bit of income. And every speaking engagement, everything I had, boop, 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 gone, 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 gone. All through the summer, all through the fall, all of it. And, you know, when this started to happen in March, I had, you know, uh, a really hard time. And I had one of those sole decisions to make of do I want to pull my covers up over my head and quit? Because I can't speak in public, right? Um, or do I want to fight? <laughs> I'm a fighter. And it doesn't often come out of me like right away. Sometimes I need a couple of days to wallow in it. But usually by the third day, I'm pulling myself up by bootstraps. And so I wallowed in it. And I said, why me? And, you know, this was the month I was getting back on track. And uh, da, 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 da. My mom, I lost my mom last year. And, you know, and, and and financially strapped because of that, because I didn't work so much because I was spending time with her and I didn't want to have regrets. So I wallowed. And then on that third day, I got up. I said, no, I'm going to fight. Do people need me? They need me now more than ever. Mental health, self-care. We absolutely have to talk about it now. We absolutely have to talk about relationships now that we're pinned up and hold up with people. We absolutely have to talk about loving ourselves. We absolutely have to talk about purpose because great dreams happen 
great uh, ideas happen in the middle of hard times, right? When people's backs are against the wall. So how that came about was I just said, I'm going to call every school that I know. Uh, and in the, in the midst of that, I'm also going to start making motivational videos for everybody out there that's connected on social media. I'll never curse social media again, by the way. And uh, so I just started making these little videos and I started writing stuff down. The Big Ten um, came calling. Kevin Warren is a dear friend of mine. And I started to consult with them. They had me on their weekly meeting every Tuesday. So it pushed me as a speaker. Every Tuesday, I was required to come up with new uh, and, and, you know, inspiring, uh, you know, information, right? So really that idea and everything that's happened to me has been born out of my life that has been hard, amazing, sad, happy. Like it's, you know, it's been full of like these crazy stories, um, including, you know, summoning Mount Kilimanjaro in a blizzard. So, so that's how all these ideas. Were did you born. do any, uh, were you like physically active or did you do hiking before you did that? I did, but you know, for me, at least I, I'm a CrossFitter. I'm not yeah. like a long distance runner. I'm not like an endurance athlete. I'm not any of those things. It was hard. Mm. And the people that said, oh, it's like a long hike. Oh, malarkey. <laughs> it's not. And we also, because we were climbing for Kevin, that was the coolest thing I think I've ever done in my life outside this movement is I organized a climb up Mount Kilimanjaro called Climb for Kevin. And it was to raise money for ALS research. And we raised $80,000 combined, the team of nine did. And they were amazing. But we got to the top at 17,000 feet and we hit a blizzard and everybody else in the mountain turned back and we did not. Um, and, you know, getting ready for that, I trained with a mask. I, you know, I did a, you know, a ton of extra clean in, clean out eating wise. But for me, you really couldn't train for that. Plus we went up, um, we went up the hardest route because we felt like if Kevin was going to, is Kevin tackling ALS every single day, the hardest route of life, then we can't go, we went up the Western Breach. We can't go up the easy route. It's actually called the Coca-Cola route because the easy one is because people drink Coca-Cola and smoke cigarettes the whole way up. So yeah, um, it was incredibly hard. I had people from the trip that went back and did it again. I'm like, you are nuts. What yeah. is enough for me? <laughs> I've seen the videos of people doing it. Like there's this one guy I follow on YouTube, Casey Neistat. He literally had like a video of him. He almost died at the top of the summit. Like he, they were contemplating how many times, like, should we turn back? Should we turn back? And I was just like, that's insane. And I wrote, when I read that you did it, I was like, wait a minute. Does she have any experience like actually hiking? But that's cool that you, you guys took the long route too. You know, you took the hard way up that. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It, it And the craziest part was there was a number of us that slipped and fell. There was a girl that slipped and fell, I'd say like 30 or somewhere between 30 and 50 feet. And she had to be ice axe arrested. The guide ended up underneath her. He decided to go with her. She was so grateful. She put his kids through college. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I was to the back when we started up the face of the Western Breach. And um, I was following everybody else. And again, we were in a blizzard. We probably should not have been up there. We had no ropes, no crampons, no special shoes, no nothing. And um, and I slipped. I went to step in somebody's place and I slipped and just stepped through. And I started to slide on my chest. And they say, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. I'm like, uh-uh, that's not true. I'm like, it's too fast. All I had time to do is go, <sighs> like, I mean, it was just, it was insane. And, 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 the, and here's the angelic part of it. 
the guy that they had put on the climb on the last day because of the weather was the only one behind me. And he caught me underneath my rib cage. Mm. And had he not, if I had just gone another 20, 30 feet, I would have fallen off the side of the mountain. And there's no ambulance up there. There's nothing. If they find you, they run you down on a metal cot. That's how they get you off the mountain. And um, I remember from that point forward, I went into a catatonic state where I was just literally trying not to go to the number two in my pants. And I was singing child. I remember I went back to like childhood and I was singing father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Had, and they took my backpack off of me and somebody held my hand in the front and somebody held my hand in the back. So yeah, it was a doozy and that's putting, it's a mild understatement. And it seems like you have this strong mental fortitude, which I think for a lot of people, when they listen to this, they admire that that's something that they want. You know, you want to build that mental strength for, and I want to get back into, you know, your career, your 17 year Mm -hmm. career for sports, because, you know, I want people who are listening to this, they're probably like, how can I become like Rachel? How can Mm -hmm. I have a long 17 year career as a sportscaster, just working in sports in general? Yeah. What do you credit your success in that 17 year career? What, what, like, what do you think made you able to go through the different struggles you went, become the first woman, you know, with, with Sirius XM or just all the different jobs you got? What made you able to do that? Well, I think definitely like the, the women in my family, particularly my grandmother and uh, my mom have this like had this indomitable fighting spirit that, that I got that I was born with. But beyond that, if we're doing takeaways for your mm-hmm. listeners, beyond that, I just never quit. Now, mm-hmm. I contemplated it a thousand times. I was in a ball in, in, in a, you know, the fetal position a hundred times, right? There were times I had zero in the bank account. My parents had to bail me out. You know, I, I, I remember my dad said to me, I'll never forget where I was in the interstate. He's now in heaven. But he said, baby girl, you know, like, what, what is the like plan B? And I said, there is no plan B. I'm not quitting. I'm not, I'm going to be a sportscaster. I'm going to be successful. And he was like, okay, I'll never ask that again. You know, cause he was like in finance. So he really wanted me to be prudent. I just never quit. And I have this hashtag that I, um, I use and I call it respectfully relentless, meaning I'm going to stay on you and with you until you tell me to go away. I had a mentor at ESPN that said to me, he said, find the fine, this is a great piece of advice. I give it to everybody. Find the fine line between stalking somebody and being persistent and ride the hell out of it, okay? So that means, you know, a lot of people these days they don't hear back from an email or they hear a no and they're dejected and they go away and they never email again. I got, I got a scenario for everyone. You don't hear back, give it a week. Don't hear back, give it two weeks. Don't hear back. I will email you just staying on your radar. Hope you're well, look forward to connecting with you. Let me know if it works. I'm not going to do it where it annoys you, but I'm going to stay on your radar. Second thing is if I got a no, I, I mentored a lot of young women in the business over 40 for seven years before I got out of the business of sportscasting. And I told them, I said, even if you get a no, you go back to that person and you ask them, would you mind sharing with me why I did not get the job? Because I'd really like to work on whatever it was that you, you know, you chose the other person for, right? And, and then if they say, and then you might even go one step further and go, if you really had a great relationship with them, 
you might go, is there anybody in your network, like in other stations and other areas and other schools with other jobs that you might pass along my resume to, right? And nine times out of 10, the people will. If you've been respectful and, and you develop a relationship with them, everything's about relationships. Here's the other thing. The reason I got hired so many times, it wasn't because of my agent. I was talking to a friend of mine, Nikki Noto Palmer, the other day, both, you know, around the same age and, and spent a great deal of time in sports casting. And we both said our agents didn't get us most of our jobs. We got the grant, almost the, you know, the large percentage. They just adjudicated the contracts. I got my jobs because I have a good reputation. I'm, people know I play well in the sandbox. They know I have a good attitude and they knew and know I'm a hard worker. Okay. And that I, that I'm an upstanding person, you know, I'm a good person. Right. So your reputation is going to precede you. So one, I would just say, be respectfully relentless. Uh, there is a situation for every no, except if it's in a relationship, then don't do that. Cause then you'd be stalking somebody, <laughs> but if it's work, there's an opportunity every time to step back and reframe. So if you get a no step back and reframe, learn from it, get better, right? Ask to network with, with their contacts. Ask, I've had this happen before. Ask to keep in touch with them. The person, I've seen two or three instances where the person got hired before them and ended up getting fired or it didn't work out with them. And they called the person back and they got the job. They got the job. So, um, so those are, again, I'm real big on giving tactical information. I am not the person because I've been to so many talks and different things where people are like, yeah, 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 rah, rah, rah. and they make you feel real good. And then you go home and you're like, but what did I actually learn from that? What did I take away from that? So I'm really big on giving people tactical information they can use in their everyday life. And that's big. And I, I agree with the same thing because I think there is a lot of rah, rah, rah out there, but it's not necessarily mm -hmm. people are, aren't really telling you, oh, this is how you do it. This is step one, step two, step three. And, you know, a little, little bit of guidance goes a long way for a lot of these people, especially right now. I understand, like I was talking to one of my buddies yesterday and I was telling her, like, I can't imagine what the pressure is that you're feeling about to graduate in December. Like I graduated two years ago, but the, the extra amount of pressure you got going on with everything, you know, let's, let's figure out a way to make sure you can get the actionable plans. And um, Rachel, I guess the last thing I want to ask you when you've kind of, again, you've already gave all this great advice, all this great tips. Um, you know, I want to make it specifically for, cause there's another movement, you know, women in sports. And yes. I wanted this message to be directly to that young female, whether she's in high school or in college. And you talked about being a queen about being a queen and accepting you are a queen and accepting nothing less. How mm -hmm. can they, how can they adopt that mindset? How can they go from a princess to a queen? How can they be a queen? Yeah. So first of all, I think this is important to say is a queen doesn't mean you're perfect. A king or queen is not perfect. There's no, there's only, in my opinion, one person that was perfect and he died and, and, and he rose again, right? Like there's nobody's perfect. What it does mean a queen or a king, it means, you know, better. So you're going to do better. It means when other people are running away from the house fire, you're running towards it. It means that people need you the most when they're dirty in a ditch, not when they're high and on the mountaintop, right? It means that you are a leader. You're a king or a queen. When everybody else is following, you're the one leading. You serve, you give, you're extraordinary, right? You admit, you know, one of the big things we talk about in the movement is, is saying, you know, hey, I'm not good at that. Or, hey, I've wronged you. Um, um, asking for help, you know, being vulnerable, um, taking care of queens and kings take care of this mental space up here. They practice self-care. They take care of themselves 
um, in a in a really um, obvious way to them and whatever that is for you. And I talked to both kings and queens about this. Like you got to find out what fills your cup. What is it? Is it for you? Is it long bass, a walk in the park, solo golf, reading, travel? What is it that self care for you that fills your cup? And you better fill it because this world will suck it right out of you. So again, you know, it's, it's this, it's, it's being able to look in the mirror and beyond your eyelashes, your eyebrows or nose hair, pluck it if you need to, it's uh, <laughs> beyond that. It's this, it's looking at your soul and being proud of the person that's staring back at you. And so, you know, that's, I often check myself and I say from point A to point Z, did I, you know, from every, the first thing I did today, did I show up to CrossFit on time? Did I do what my fiance asked me to do by stopping by UPS? Did I talk lovingly to my dad? I'm looking at my day to day. Did I cook for them? Did I show them love? Did I help out? Right? Like, and if there's something in that day that I need to fix or I need to amend or I need to speak up for, I go to that person and tell them I love them and I'm sorry. Um, there's bigger things in my life where I've had to work on, where I've had to forgive people that have never asked for forgiveness. We have this thing we call funky junk in the movement. And so many of us are carrying around funky junk. That might be trauma, resentment, anger, self-loathing, whatever it is, abuse. And we're carrying it around and we're smiling in people's faces. And we talk about this and I'm changing the narrative. We're smiling in people's faces, but we're dying inside. And it's why COVID has agitated the mental health issue and pandemic that was already a pandemic, right? Now we've got suicide rates through the roof and depression, anxiety and relapse rates. And we really got to encourage, continue to encourage each other and, and destigmatize this idea of, hey, you are your strongest. You are um, the most strong, the most attractive, the most masculine, whatever it may be when you're asking for help, mm. when you say, I need help. So I would say to that queen, always be a queen under construction. I think that that helps me. Um, and, and, and the last thing is, it's not a, I'm a queen and I did all that. Okay, I'm good. It's a wash, rinse, repeat. I'll get five days down the road and realize I've been a jerk mm -hmm. and I have to go back and apologize for it, right? Like, um, you know, that these are, these are um, big, big things that keep me in check. Wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And hopefully um, I'll have a book coming out. I don't know when it is, but I've been asked to write the proposal. And if you know anything about the proposal writing, it's the hardest part, but um, hopefully I will be able to get that out here sooner rather than later. And, you know, I have a, uh, a Sunday soul podcast. I do a video podcast every Sunday and, you know, I'm really active on my socials and there's a lot of different ways you connect, can connect with me to get more. But, um, those are just a little bit of the ways that you can be a queen. And I just tell those young girls in the, in the business, keep going, sister, keep going, sister. I will say this lastly, I was thinking about quitting. Um, again, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was feeling really discouraged and I thought I might walk away from it. And I got a text from a young girl I mentored and she said, but what will I do if you quit? You've been my person, my rock, the person that when I want to quit, I look at you and you never quit. What will I do if you quit? And uh, it really all hit home at that moment that I've paved the way for a lot of young girls. And um, that's something I'll forever, forever, forever be proud of. Well, thank you, Rachel, for, for coming on to the Sports Job podcast and all the listeners, you know, that beautiful message, you know, my message is to you is after this podcast, 
you know, please take the time to take care of yourself. Look yourself in the mirror because in order to do the best work, you have to be the best you, not just physically, yes. but mentally as well. And I'll include all the, you know, all the links to connect with Rachel in the episode description. But like I always say, we are all our own individual journeys, but you are not alone. <laughs>